The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Last week we started this story of uh, Samson in Judges. And Samson is a pretty familiar Bible character, even if you don't know anything about the Bible. The strong man, long hair, got it cut off. Uh, you know, was he a hero? Was he a villain? What was his story? And we're kind of just digging into his, his tale a little bit because it involves a lot of relationship and love within this sort of context or lust and his challenges we kind of looked at last week, that he was a uh, chosen by God. He was kind of a miracle baby. He was given this, this call to be a, a judge of Israel. So Israel's living in this time of, of kind of captivity to Philistines, and, and God was promising that we're going to use somebody to help liberate you. Uh, he took this, this Nazarite uh, vow. I don't remember what that is. A vow. This Nazarite vow is promise to God. And, and, and part, what are some of the things you couldn't do or could do? I don't remember. Could not cut your hair. That was the big one. So I remember that. You could not cut your hair during this time. And could not drink wine. You couldn't be near wine. You couldn't touch grapes. You couldn't even see, see grapes. Uh, and you couldn't, you couldn't be near dead bodies. So is these, which are, you know, the dead body seems a little easier. The wine would be a little harder for, for many of us. But the you know, dead body doesn't seem too difficult. And there was a period of, of time, and so for this, this period, for, for Samson's life, he was really under this vow. God said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to bless the nation, the people through you. This is how you're going to live. And his mom even be, took on that, that vow as she was carrying, uh, carrying Samson. And so he's born, and then there's this stir, so the Spirit of God stirs, and then it jumps into to the next chapter. And uh, we'll read a little bit of that again, because there's just this great contrast in this story and really what it does is it personifies and mirrors the nation of Israel at this time. So if you look at the story of Samson, there's, there's the highlights and what did he do? He, he killed a lion. But it's within the context of this book, Judges, that God's people are constantly being reminded by God that God is good. He cares for them. Live this certain way. It will be your best. They do it for a short time. And then they, then they go back to saying repeatedly they did, there was no king in the land. They did what was right in their own eyes. So that's, that's a thread all through this book of Judges. They did what was right in their own eyes. We, we talked about Samson. He, he, he said the exact same thing when he saw this woman that he wanted to marry who was a Philistine that he was not supposed to. He's like, you know what? She's right for me. She's right for me. So this is the narrative. And so when the, when the author's pulling out this story, this personalized story, it's really about the bigger picture, the bigger nation, uh, Israel's, Israel's trouble. So I'm going to read a little bit more, and we'll, we'll kick it around. Um, so if you remember, he has, he has seen this wife, this woman he wants, and his dad's like, you know what? That's not good for you. Don't do it. He says, you know what? She's good for me. She's right for me. Get her for me. So he makes this decision. But before that, there's this little turn in the text from, from chapter to chapter when God's stirring, God's anointing, anointing powers on him. And then it says, then Samson went down to Timnah. And so there's this, there's this transition in this word then in the context. Is it's, it's really about, about contrast. So it says, here's God doing something, God's promises, God is good, God is a a deliverer, God has a plan for your life. But in contrast to this, Samson went down to Timnah. Now, Timnah, in this this story, was literally a kind of down a a valley, a craggy valley, about 24 miles away from this Israelite town that where Samson lived, down to like a border, near a border town, Timnah, where the Philistines lived. Live. So he should not be going down there. There was no business to go down there. And these border towns can be kind of that way anyway, like Tijuana, right? Tijuana, like not a lot of good things happen in, in Tijuana. It's these, they're kind of these collisions of culture. The rules are, are, are a little bit gray. Uh, I grew up on the East Coast, and we would travel from New Jersey to Florida or North Carolina 
um, you know, a couple times a year. And there's these parts of the country that are pretty divided. These sort of south of the border areas exist. And I mean, you know when you get there. I mean, there's Confederate flags flying, and it's just a, a whole other world. And, and, and it's a different place than where Samson should have been in his home, following God in a, in a safe context, maybe looking for a wife of his own people like God has asked for him. But he says he goes down to Timon. He willingly sort of walks into this this really dangerous and volatile environment. And I think for you and I, we, we can kind of get there sometimes too, where it's not that Samson was minding his own business. He was fine. He's seeking God. And all of a sudden, this like Philistine woman like seduced him, walked through his house. He left where he was, where he was safe. He left the, the confines of, of community and journeyed down to this other place just to kind of look around. And maybe he wasn't sure what, how far it was going to go or not, but once we start going down that road, he went down to Timnah. It just really began a downward spiral of, of his life. It was 24 miles away, and it just went you know, a lifetime of, of where God had, had meant for him. I think we see this in the story of Jonah, right? Jonah gets a call in his life, and then he went, nah, he went down here. He kind of goes in a different direction, di- different direction from God. So he goes down to Timnah. Uh, he went down with his father and mother, and as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a lion came roaring toward them. So not only is it a Philistine area, it's a vineyard town. It's, a, it's wine country. What's he not supposed to go near? Wine. He's not even supposed to be near wine. He's not supposed to brush up against grapes of wine. If you've ever been to a vineyard, a vi- vineyard area, like, you're probably going to touch some grapes. Like, he just walks right into that context. And I think that's there for that reason. We'll see. He just starts to break down this vow, this code, these promises that he once had in his life. Because we've all had those promises. Like, God, you know, if you get me through this, if this happens, if you can do this, I am in and I'm going to do this. Right? Anyone have those little conversations with God in your head? If you just get me out of this one more time, if you just give me this, you know, this person or get me this relationship or this job, then I am really going to take it up a notch. How often does that work out for us? Right. None of us, right? None of us are, because we just are frail that way. But Samson isn't even really trying. He's like, I am, I'm, I'm not only going to Timnah, I'm going to go into, I want to go to wine country. And even if it is mine, like, but I'm not going to touch the grapes and I'm not going to drink any wine. That's not a safe place to go. And we all have those lies in our life where I'll be fine there. I'll be fine in that relationship. I'll be fine in that place. I'll be fine in that context. I'll be fine at that, off, at that office, at that job. I'll be fine in that conversation because I won't give in. But you walk right into it. And if you walk into wine country and you're not supposed to be near grapes, too late, you're near grapes. It's going to happen. And so we see this sort of really corruptness of his heart that he's, he's not just haphazardly in the, in the wrong place at the right, wrong time. He's walking into the wrong place at the wrong time, willingly. And he's not even just alone. Now, now he's dragging his, his family into this. And Samson, almost with his parents, because it's not like they're not trying. But some of us have been around these situations, or, or are this parent, or are this kid. But Samson's like the star athlete, right? He's chosen. He's exceptionally strong. We imagine he's good-looking. If you've seen any of the movies, you know, he's like Fabio or whatever. He's got big muscles and long hair, and everybody loves him. He could do really cool things at parties. You know, he lifts kegs. And, and, and he starts, and his parents are almost blinded to that because he's so amazing. And I, and I could picture people in my life that they're sort of walking that sort of favor, like, oh, my gosh, they're missing it because they're so good at A, B, or A, B and C. And some of us coast that way. Well, he's such a good 
at this, such a good talker, such a good at his, at his profession. They make so much money that you almost let them get away with other flaws in character, and which isn't healthy for community. And so he's, he's sort of dragging his parents along because of, because of who he is. And he walks right into this place of temptation, a place he, he shouldn't be. That's not healthy. Uh, that's not going to work out for him. He shouldn't be there. And, and, if, and if you've ever been in those situations, we all have, you, it's not because you don't know. There's not a whisper. You hear that whisper like, I shouldn't be here. This isn't good for me. And sometimes it really is as, as simple as a conversation. You're with people, and it starts to turn a little gossipy. starts to turn a little dark. You say, Man, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't really be here. I shouldn't be doing this. And, it, and you just get caught up in it. And all of us have those things. Sometimes that's shopping online, right? I mean, I should not open Amazon late at night after a couple glasses of wine. It's just not going to go well. But it feels so good. I'm just going to look. I'm just going to browse. That's like a real thing for marketers is like hitting up moms after they've had wine at night. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real thing. People go shopping online after a couple of drinks and you just feel like you feel safe. Like I'm just going to browse. I'm not going to buy anything, right? We've all been there. I'm just going to look. And Samson, he didn't have any really safety nets or guardrails in his life because the ones that were in place, his parents, he, was, he had disregarded. Now he was sucking them along into his, into his journey. And when we look at the context of, of, of heroes in the Bible, these big characters, they're almost always around other people. Almost always around other people. There's some sort of partnership. There's a, there's, even if it's, if it's a wife or it's a husband, if it's friends, right? Everyone has their periods of alone, but John, David had Pete, Jonathan. Daniel had his friends. There's, there's sort of a, a movement. Jesus, when he came, he's like, man, I, I'm not doing this alone. Let me get some people around me. But Samson just seems to roll on his own. Man, and that is a dangerous place to be, even if you think you're strong. And unfortunately, this guy thought he was strong. He thought he was exceptionally strong. And there was no real guardrails in his life. And we need those things. And those are scary things to ask for. Sometimes we don't want them. We don't want to invite guardrails like, ah, I'm fine. I, like to, I just kind of like to live a little dangerously, but I'm not going to go off the, off the edge. And no one goes off the edge on purpose. Those guardrails are there for a reason, right? We don't have as many guardrails out on, you know, telegraph, it's flat and low, it's okay. But, man, you get up into the mountains, you're very grateful to see those things. And when I'm going around some turns, I'm like, dang, there's no guardrails here. I'm like, I'm gripping. It's because there's a little bit more of a life or death situation on that. And we need to look for as many, put as many guardrails in our li- place in our lives as possible, right, people? So he goes down to this place, and this, this, uh, this, lion, this lion comes out at him. And the story says he, the lion came upon him, and he said he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, as he might have torn a, a young goat, which is just a weird analogy. Like, he tears it apart like he tears apart young goats. Like, what? what does that mean? Why does he tear apart young goats, weirdo? But he said he never he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked to the woman and he liked her. Sometime later, when, we, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and in him he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some. They too ate it, but he did not tell them he'd taken the honey out of a lion's carcass. This is a strange story overall. So he goes down, his lion comes at him, tears it apart like a goat, which I, I don't know if that's in half or down the middle. I don't, I don't know how you tear apart a goat. But he goes and he spends his time with his wife, which could be upwards of a year. 
this sort of courting time. He could have lived in this area for, for upwards of a year. Starts his journey back. Say, oh, there's that same lion decomposed on the side of the road. There's a bunch of bees living in it now. They're making honey. I'm going to get some of that. Like, what? What's wrong with this guy? I mean, not only, I mean, he's not supposed to be near, near dead things at all, let alone reaching his hands in and eating out of it. And then he gives some to his parents who don't know, which would have been a big no-no in their sort of religious system. Right? They don't, they don't re- touch dead things. They don't near dead things. And Samson has sort of passed it, passed it along. And you notice in these couple paragraphs, he kills the lion. It says they didn't tell his parents. He comes back. He scoops out the honey, gets to his parents, says he didn't tell his parents. Here's a lesson. Tell your parents when you do bad stuff. We could tell our kids that. But it's really about keeping his, this secret. He's living this secret of life. He's doing things that he knows are wrong. <clears throat> he knows our problem with his vow. He knows go against God's way, but he's just trying to keep it to himself. And we all have that stuff. We're like, man, I just don't even want to bring it up. I'm just going to keep it to myself. I, I'm going to hope I get better at it. But man, you have to get that stuff out. <clears throat> And here's why he doesn't tell his parents, and here's why I think most of us don't like to share this stuff. He doesn't tell his parents when he tore about this lion because he knows that they would say, they say, you've got to go back home, and you've got you to go through temple purification. We're not going to see this woman until you go and clean up. You've got to go see the priests. We've got to go you know, make some sacrifices. Like We've got we to gotta get this right, and then maybe we can move on. But he doesn't tell his parents because he doesn't want to deal with that. He doesn't tell his parents where the honey came from because they would be disappointed, and then they would, they would ask him you know, to purify himself again, and he would be in trouble. <clears throat> doesn't bring it up because he knows what they would say. And we don't sometimes bring stuff up like that. We don't want to tell other people. We don't want to share stuff with other people because like, I know what they'd say. I know. Anyone ever thought that? I know what they'd say. I was with my parents all the time. I don't even want to bring it up because I know what they'd say. You know what they would say because you know what you should do, right? That's why you don't want to bring it up, because you already think it in your head. You don't want someone else saying it. That's really going to confirm it. So if it's just in my head, then I can push that thing down a little bit. You don't ask people what you should do, because a lot of times you already know. You don't want to hear what they have to say. If you were here last week, I talked about this car I bought that this like was just a smoke bomb kind of car that I found myself that I knew was a bad idea, did it all online, I didn't ask anybody if I should buy it because I wanted it. I didn't want anyone to hear, tell me I shouldn't buy it. I, I already know that, but I don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what's right in my own eyes. So says, I'm not going to tell my parents. But when we keep stuff to ourselves, I'm not saying you have to tell everybody all your stuff all the time, but at least check your own heart. Like, I don't want to bring that up because I know what they'll say. I know what they'll say. They'll, they'll, they'll tell me I need to do this, this, and this. They'll tell me I need to get this you know, block on my phone. They'll tell me I need to spend this time in my relationship. They'll tell me I, I probably need to change jobs. And you think that because you actually know the right answer yourself. And so Samson is not because he's, he's oblivious or ignorant. He doesn't want to change. He likes his life. He's proud. He's strong. He's going to get the girl. He can beat anyone up in a fight. Tears up lions. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to check in the temple and go before the priest and explain his stuff. You know what they'd say? It's because you know what you should do. And I've had this. I remember talking to a friend not too long ago, <clears throat> conflict situation with somebody, and I just, 
I don't know. I'm not totally conflict adverse. I don't like it. Some people like it. I'm, I'm like in the middle. But I didn't want to bring it up to his friend, so I was asking for his advice, but I was like, I don't know if I even want his advice because I know what he's going to tell me to do. When we bring that stuff up, he's going to tell me I should do it. I, you know, I bring it up because I'm pretty open and I'm free. I'm like, I'm going to throw it out there and just, I'm just going to deal with it. He tells me exactly what I didn't want to do. And he's like, let's get your phone out right now and do it. I'm like, no, <laughs> let me think about this. But we need friends, people in our life, counselors, pastors, whoever. When you jump stuff on, I'm like, you're okay with them. Say, hey, you know what you should do. Let's start doing it. Let's start putting this into practice. When are you going to take your wife out on a date? When are you going to tell her you love her? When are you going to have this conversation with a friend? When are you going to cut this spending and, and start getting out a plan to get out of debt? And those aren't fun things, but there's freedom and liberation on the other side. And when we keep these things to ourselves, eventually it catches up with us. And Samson, I mean, a lot of us know the story. We know where this is going. It doesn't go well for him, but this is, his, this is his life. This is his story. These are the decisions he's making, the daily decisions. After he's moved and stirred by God, and now he's I'm going down here. I'm going to go linger around the vineyards. I'm just going to take this one girl. I'm just going to take one scoop of honey. I'll get it right. I'll eventually get it right. I'll, I'll sort this thing out. I'll be the man God wants me to be eventually. I'll, I'll become a judge, and I'm going to focus in on, on God. I'm going to get with the priests, and this is going to be okay. But right now, just, let me just use one more thing. Because once I get this girl, then I'll be happy. Then I can come back to Israel. Then I can really focus on what I'm supposed to be doing. Man, it never works that way. Never works that way. That one thing, it turns, it turns very quickly into two things, three things, four things. And all of a sudden, it's, it becomes your life. He's living in this, this, this lie, and it's interesting. We'll continue this on in, 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 the, in the next few weeks. But he's living this, this lie to himself. And, and Samson was a, maybe the strongest man who ever lived, right? God moved upon him. He did really some really cool stuff. The story eventually kind of writes itself. But we're only as strong as our greatest weakness. And Samson, man, he was built up in certain ways, and he was fine. He could take a punch. Man, when it came to, to, to faithful living, this guy had nothing. It didn't matter, all the muscle strength in the world. And, and Hebrews talks about him as a man of faith, so, so he is sort of vindicated in, the, in, the, in history. He's a man of faith, but he was not a faithful man. He was a man of faith, but he was not a faithful man. And many of us can, can relate to that in our own hearts, hearts if we're honest. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. I, I believe in God, but I, I'm not really faithful when it comes to the little things. When it comes to those vows I've made, the promises I've made before God, not really that faithful. Those are just honest places to be. And so Samson is going down this road, and we'll, we'll continue this, but he starts to paint a picture of himself that's, that's not great. And whether you like it or not, your actions form your reputation. Your actions form your reputation. Well, I'm not really that way. Like, well, that's how you always behave. Oh, I'm not. Well, it looks like you are. Your actions form your reputation. And that's hard. That's hard news. That's hard for any of us. There's tons of good news on the other side. That's why it's gospel. There's grace and love and, and there's victory in Jesus. We believe those things, so it's not all, all depressing. But it's about realizing where you're at, where you're at, and where you pe- can begin to turn this thing around and begin to invite other people into your life. You know what? 
Totally shouldn't have done it, but I tore a lion in half on the way to work today. <laughs> and I need help with that because I have an addiction to killing things. <laughs> right? It started out with goats. No one cared when it was just the goats. Man, that's all of us. I, whatever, it's finances, it's gossip, it's, you know, it's addiction, it's, it's, it's you know, internet, uh, you know, pornography, th- those things. They're all in that. We all have stuff that we have to be careful of. We have to make sure there's guardrails up for some safety, people around, one person even, let it out. Tell someone your thing, and then when they tell you, like, yeah, I knew you were going to say that, that's because you already knew what to do. That's because you knew what to do, but we need other voices in our life. So I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to close out with a song. We'll pray. And, uh, yeah, just, just, just thank God where you're at in your own hearts, for your own story. God has a plan for each of us. There's good things hovering over your life that God wants to accomplish. So, God, we invite you in here into this time, this space right now as we close. That you do work on our hearts, Lord. Invite your spirit in. Soften us. Lord, give us courage to have the conversations we need to have. Give us courage to invite other people in. Give us courage to tell our parents, tell our friends. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. In Jesus' name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.